passage, Haircuts from Hell. And uh, in the book of Judges, in chapter 16, a man that most of the world has least heard about by the name of Samson uh, has got himself in terrible, terrible trouble. And he was a man of God. He's listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as a, as a man of faith. And yet this man's power was taken away from him. And the story, you know, he is uh, messing around with Delilah. We preached on Delilah, the characteristics of Delilah. And Delilah kept probing him for the source of his power. And he finally told her what it was. And Samson had seven locks of his hair. Now, I, I, I thought about asking for a volunteer today and getting a pair of scissors, but I couldn't think of anybody that might volunteer. And, uh, but anyway, uh, he, she, she kept probing him, kept pushing him, kept nagging him till he finally told her the source of his strength. Now, I want you to get this before we take off. He, had a, he was raised in a very dedicated uh, faith, home of faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in that, he had a Nazarite vow. One of the things was not to touch anything dead. And that speaks of not touching, having anything to do with uh, vile, dead things, you know, abstaining from all appearance of evil and so forth like that. Stay away from things that are dead. The other thing is stay away from liquor, anything made of the vine, grape. But the third thing was his hair was not to be cut. Now, you and I have lived in generations where there's all kinds of abuse of that, but the Bible says, know you not that it's a shame for a man if he have long hair. That's what your Bible says. That's what God's word says. It's right and it's true. Okay. Bible talks about a woman's hair is her glory. It's right and that's true. And so, but why did God in the Nazarite vow have Samson not cut his hair? Here's why. I want you to get this. You and I are called to, be, to bear the reproach of Christ. His long hair as a Nazarite was a symbol of when men would see him, they would reproach. It was a symbol of bearing the reproach of Christ in the sense that I don't conform to this world. And it's just an outward deal that God had. There's a lot of things in the Bible like this, circumcision, all these different things that God has symbols in and signs to teach us spiritual lessons. But one of the things was that he was to bear the reproach of the holy walk with God. Now you listen to me. When a person is willing to bear reproach for Jesus' sake, their spiritual power comes with that. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, Moses explicitly says about Moses that he was willing to bear the reproach of this world. Most people, listen to me, do not want to be reproached for Christ's sake. Now you listen to me. Right now in our culture, we have what's called council culture. Wokeism. What that is, is that if you don't line up with how they think, speak, and look, they'll reproach you. You're a bad person. And you need to repent of being a bad person. The, the world understands how to use reproach. But the Bible teaches that if you and I will come out clean for God, and we're not ashamed of Jesus Christ, 
and we have a heart to obey the word of God, we're willing and we're willing to bear the reproach of Christ. And we don't care what if we lose friends over it, we lose family over it. Not that we want to, but we're willing to if that's what it comes to. Because Jesus did say that if you followed him and you bore his reproach, that you would lose family, you would lose friends. And there's going to be a lot of cost to it. Your salvation is free, but your, we're, the power of God in your life is not. It's going to cost you something. And it would cost friendships and it costs family and it costs maybe money and it costs jobs sometimes. Here just recently, Hannah, didn't you just get to meet the coach out there in Arizona that lost his job over praying on the football field? She met him and got to talk to him and his attorney. And for seven years, they fought this in the courts of the United States for the right to pray wherever you wanted to pray. And he won just recently with Supreme Court. What was that man willing to do? He was willing to bear the reproach of being fired, of being a religious hypocrite, of being a religious nut, a fanatic. Don't you know you're not supposed to pray? We're We're a humanistic country. You don't talk about Jesus at the workplace. Don't you have any sense? Who do you think you are? But he was willing to bear the reproach of Jesus Christ in a public way that might cost him a job, money, whatever it might be. So what you're dealing here with is the power that God gave somebody in their life to serve the Lord. And in that power that he had was because of being willing to bear the reproach of Jesus. Hey, adults, we need to learn this. We're not going to make everybody like us if we really truly follow this book. Young people, I'm just being honest with you. If you follow this book, you're going to bear reproach even right here in this church. There's going to be certain kids that they want to hang around you because you want to live for Jesus. They don't want to be with you because you're serious about your faith. Okay? So you know what I'm talking about when you're talking about bearing reproach. So Satan comes in through Delilah and working through his natural senses finally gets to the source of his power. Now what does she want to do to his power. She wants to get his power away from him. Now you listen to me right now. This is the daily battle that you face in your Christian experience is a battle to take away your power. Don't witness. Don't talk to anybody about the Lord. Don't give your life to Christ. Don't serve the Lord. Don't get serious. Don't stop that. And you may lose friends. You may lose people. You may not get to have the fun you used to have. People will think you're a fanatic. People will think you're off your rocker. I can remember when we began to homeschool, people just, I mean, couldn't understand. Some people, you know, they kind of like, Reg, hey, you know, uh, uh, but some people like, you're, you're just a screwball. I'm glad that now it's past that in America. A lot of people who used to condemn it are doing it. Amen. Now, but the idea was, was to cut the power off of him. And once the power was gone to him, the Bible said, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of that work of the earth. You shall be witnesses unto me in all the world uh, 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 when the Holy Ghost will come upon you in your power. It takes power to live for Jesus Christ. It takes power to obey the Bible. It just doesn't come from my flesh. So she wanted to cut the seven locks and, and the Bible's explicit about this that he had seven locks of hair and she cut those off. There's a reason that there's seven locks. Now, she cut those seven, she didn't, she had them cut off while he, watch this, he was sleeping on her lap. That's a, not a good place to be. Don't be sleeping on the lap of Delilah. Yeah. 
especially when she's asking how to get your power. But in that sleep through sensuality and materialism and humanism, his head was shorn. And when he woke up, the power of God, God was departed from him and he was blind. They put out his eyes. They bound him in brass and the rest of his life until the day he died nearly. He was spent walking around and around grinding corn in an old grinder like a horse or a mule. Wasn't no more laying in the lap of Delilah for him. Wasn't no more killing lions. Wasn't no more thousand Philistines being slain. No more catching 200 foxes. Life became a ground. Now here's what I'm getting to. We're going to get in this real quick and go. But what I'm getting to this, if you let Satan shave your power that God gives you through obedience and surrender to his word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of his word and so forth, you're going to wind up, number one, being blinded. Number two, you'll be bound. And number three, you'll grind the rest of your way through your life. Your life will be a grind. That's what's wrong with America today. Most everybody is grinding their way through life. Last week, we looked at these things. Now, I'm going to go through this again. Last Sunday night, went through this. This is on a three level of these haircuts. There's a three level. The first level was in your personal life. When you let Satan shave off or cut the lock of prayer off of your life, you're going to lose power. There's power in prayer. In the tabernacle, and I want to do this out here, but they had the altar of incense that was before the veil, right before the Ark of the Covenant where the the mercy seat was. That altar of incense had horns on each corner. It was a picture, and the altar of incense was a picture of prayer going up to the throne of God. What was God telling us when he had Moses to put the horns on that little altar of incense? That there's power in prayer. The early church paid, prayed for Peter. He was in prison and God sent power and delivered him from prison. Over and over through your Bible, you'll find out that when people prayed, there was power in prayer. And what Satan doesn't want you to do, he would rather you do anything than be on your knees in your closet pray. He'd rather me preach than pray. He'd rather me read my Bible than pray. There's power in prayer. And I want to ask you again this morning, like you did last Sunday night, and I'll try to do this quick. Have you been shaved of your prayer life? You don't pray. You just go through the motions. That's the honest truth. Yeah, you show up to church, but you don't pray. Now, let me say something further that connected with prayer, and that is praise. The average church member has already had the lock of prayer and praise. There's praise, prayer, and thanksgiving kind of wrapped together in the Bible. Hallowed be thy name. First thing when God teaches how to pray is to praise him. Hallowed be thy name. Do you know, I'm going to tell you something right now. I I believe this with all my heart. If you live a consistent life at home as best you can, come to church and pray at home and praise God at church. I believe your kids will have a lot better shot of turning out. But if you sit there like a knot on a log all of your life and God's been so good to you and God's blessed you and you walk into church and you won't even open a stinking songbook, much less raise your hand and say, bless God Almighty, you're going to have some trouble. I'm telling you. Why? Because the power of God has been cut off of your life. I'll tell you something right now. Some of you would be free today if you just raise your hand and say, bless God I'll tell you what, Lord, it's rough, but I'm going to praise you anyway this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Bible said God indwells with the praises of his people. You know why people are going to these mega churches and rock and roll churches and all that junk because they've been sitting in these dead churches where nobody praises God anymore. Amen. Amen. You got anything to praise God about this morning? 
Amen. I got a lot to praise God about this morning. I tell you what, I want to, I want to be in an old fashioned King James Bible preaching. Jesus loving blood, blood bought church. Believes in heaven, believes in hell, believes in new birth, believes in the grace of God, but blesses God and praises God. Hey, David went through more than all the whole, whole churches went through together. But he said this, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's why God said, there's a man after my own heart. He is worthy of our praise. I'm going to ask you young people. I'm going to ask you daddies. I'm going to ask you, honest to goodness, when's the last time you praised God? Or has Delilah brought him in and cut the hair off of your head? Cut praise out of you. Everybody's afraid to praise. I go go to a stinking ball game everywhere else, hollering, hooting, going crazy, and go to rodeo. Oh, boy, didn't he have a wild ride on that bull? But you don't say nothing about when Jesus died on the cross. Don't say nothing about he saved your soul from hell. Amen. Come on. Smile. Amen. We're having church today. I tell you what you say. I'm exhorting you. Amen. Learn to praise God. Wouldn't you like to be in a church? Listen, I love to hear babies. You know what I think? He said he'd ordain praise out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. I believe a church that won't say amen and a church that won't sing, God will have the babies cry. (laughs) Babies back there trying to go, amen. Amen. But they'll get up there four or five years old. They'll get onto it. We're not supposed to act like we enjoy church. Well, then Thanksgiving. Y'all just come to church and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hey, you got more to thank God for than you know what you got. But then the second thing is Bible reading. Well, he cut, the, he cut that lock of, of praying and praising off of you. Then he cut that lock of Bible reading. Don't read your Bible. He cut that off. You're too busy. Got too much going on. Can't read my Bible. And I know, I, I know all about it. Then fasting. And I preached on this. Get the tape last week or whatever. Cut the fasting out of your life. No, nobody beyond power of this kind cometh forth. But there are some cases that will not be conquered except through fasting. And you combine fasting and prayer and Bible reading. By the way, Bible reading is when God's talking to you. Let God talk to you, amen. When you open up that Bible, say, God, talk to me. God, talk to you. Did you know God will do that? I mean, you guys all got your gun. I'm going to take mine off, amen. I'm hot. But I've got it within reach, amen. Danny, I'll be with you. Somebody pops up, all right? Danny going to get him from the back. I'll get him from the front. <laughs> anyway, but you know, you, you get your Bible. Let God talk to you. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. I couldn't tell you how many times in my life I'm a sorry dog. I should have been in hell. I'm worthless, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I know where to get the water at, amen. I know his voice. I can read his Bible. He talks to me. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted with me? Hope thou yet in God, amen. Everything looks like it's going south on you to read your Bible. Get in the book of Psalms and you'll get happier, amen. Then not only that, but then he'll cut the lock of serving and giving. Well, let them rest of them do it. I ain't going to do nothing. I got to make money. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot more about giving than just money. Amen. I know got to have a little money to get along, but I'll tell you what. The Bible said, watch this. They first gave themselves. Then witnessed he cut that witness of it. You ain't talked. When's the last time you talked to anybody about their soul? I'll tell you what. I, 
I was telling the guys the other night, man, a guy pulled up this week in a, in a FedEx truck and, and he needed to unload there. And man, I, I don't know, just Lord put on my heart, talk to him. And I got to talk to him about the Lord. And man, he started talking to me about how when he was a boy, his mama used to take him to church. And I tell you, you pray for that guy. But I tell you what, listen, we ought to see everybody as somebody that needs the Lord. Jesus tasted death for every man. Why don't we witness to every man? I'm telling you, but he'll take that out of you. We don't pack a track. We don't talk to nobody about nothing but the weather and politics. Then there's disciplines. He cut that off. Of then there's disciplines. I talked about early rising and eating and, and drinking coffee and Dr. Pepper and all that kind of stuff. Some of you out there still drinking Dr. Pepper like you like it or something. I'll tell you, I don't know. Hey, it's a joke. You can laugh if you want to. We're not, there. We're, we're not, at, we're not at the Vatican. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Boy, I tell you, I can't stand to be in a church that don't smile. Hey, I can't stand it. If you get right with God, you'll smile. Amen. You'd be so happy. You, a preacher couldn't take the smile off you if you're right with God. Amen. You say, well, Lord, help that old buzzard. Then memorization meditation. I'll tell you what, when you're out on the tractor and you're driving down the road, you get the Bible memorized and then you got it memorized so you can meditate. Watch this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor sitteth in the seat of scorns, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law doth he meditate, thinking about the word of God day and night. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. God said, you, whatever you do, whatever you, there's only two things I know in the Bible. In Joshua chapter one, verse 30, he said this. He said, meditate in the word of God. He said, and I'll make whatever you do prosper. Now, I'm not talking about making money. I'm talking about having a purpose life that amounts to something from here to eternity. Amen. I'm going to be honest with you. You say, Reggie, why? Well, anyway, I don't want to come across wrong. Now, we went down through that. Preached that message twice. Now, Here's the second application of the haircut from hell. This is to a church and denominations. Number one is to people personally. But let me just tell you something. Churches have been getting haircuts from hell. Denominations get haircuts from hell. And I'm going to show you how they get it. Number one, the, the devil cuts inspiration out of, from the church. Hey, I would say that 70% of the quote claiming to be Bible-believing churches anymore don't even believe in inspiration. Because if they did, they wouldn't be trying to correct the Bible all the time. Amen. Amen. Hey, put some scriptures up on the wall, boys, if you don't care. Put, first, put 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. Boy, we're going to go hard and fast here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I wished I had that wig on somebody sitting up here and I could just chop that off. Boy, I'll tell you what, the devil, he'll chop inspiration out of a church. And I'll tell you what, when you get to where, you know, I, I, I'm just telling you right now, you got mainline biggest denominations in America right now. They've had the power cut off from them. They've had to have, they had got to have a new rodeo show in their church now because the power of God's been cut off because they don't believe in the inspiration of the word of God. The Bible said all scripture, not every scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God inspired it. Man did All the time on my Facebook, oh, you believe that book of this. You believe that man written book. I'll tell you something right now. The Bible is inspired of God. This is the very word of God. Put up 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 20. I'll tell you 2 Peter. And by the way, when a church or a denomination gets inspiration cut off, they're in big trouble with God. Look at this verse right now. Knowing this first. First thing God wants you to know. 
that no prophecy of Scripture is any private interpretation. That means I don't have interpretation. You don't have interpretation. You're the rightly divided word. Let God's word interpret it. Amen. Watch this. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake how? As they were moved by the Holy Ghost. To ever get this Bible issue right, you're going to have to get this truth down. And you either believe it or you don't. The devil will come unto you and say, all right, Bible, just a man-written book, you know. It's got mistakes in it. No, it don't. But he'll lie to you and try to tell you that take away inspiration. Now, he said, Reggie, what's all this about? The fact of it is, you and I are going, it's put it in a minute once to die after this, the judgment. You know what you're going to be judged by? By this book. That's what it's, it's, you're going to be judged by this book. And so, go, go to John chapter 6, verse number 63. How many of you in here has got a holy Bible? How many just got a Bible? How many here is in holy matrimony? Or are you just in uh, some kind of mess? See, so there's a difference between it. Amen. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. The inspired word of God. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verse number 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 4. But the answer is said is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But every, every once in a while there's a word that proceeds out of the mouth of God you ought to get a hold of. No, every word. Did you get that? So now you tell me what happened with these Bibles that added and took away. They're messing with the Bible, amen. I'm going to tell you something. They're going to be a hot spot in hell for that. How many likes to somebody tell a story different than you told them? How do you know somebody like twist, twist what you said? Anybody like that? How'd you like to be God up there and man down here twisting what he said? You're in trouble. Now, the second thing, been cut off. Now, watch this very carefully. You can look at uh, 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 the doctrinal statements of most churches, Bible colleges, seminaries, denominations, and they'll say, and I emphasize the word say, they believe in the inspiration of the scriptures. Okay. All right. But see, in the inspiration of the scriptures, there's an out for them. Because they'll say, well, the one we use is inspired too. So you get a God that says different things, but he's inspired both ways. Remember the logic. Now, the second thing that's been, and I'm going to tell you something right now. You will not, and I dare you do it. You go home today, go home this week and try this. See if you can find a church or a Bible college, or denomination, statement of faith that says they believe in the preservation of God's Word. You see, they know if they said that they didn't believe in the inspiration, everybody would go, they're gone. But what they know is that most people in most churches are not taught the doctrine of preservation. Now, I'm going to give this to you. Don't you ever forget this. If you don't have preservation, you can't have inspiration. Can't have one without the other. Preservation is so important. I want you to put up on the board Psalms 119.89. Psalms 119, verse 89. Now watch this. Without preservation, inspiration is irrelevant. Doesn't even matter. If you don't believe he preserved his word, what would inspiration do for you? 
There's nothing, there's nothing there inspired to be inspired. If it didn't preserve, there's nothing there. Look at what it says. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. How long? Look at verse 90. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations, but up to 2020. No, unto all generations. Put up Isaiah 40, verse number 8. Listen, you ought to write these verses down. You ought to write down a reference. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse number 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand how long? Now, I know some little birds chirping back there in the seminary nest going, well, that was in the original languages. That was in the original manuscripts. Yeah, you're going to get me excited here. Find me, show me the original manuscripts. There are none. You know how many original manuscripts there are? Do you know what, what's, what's an original? The one that was written. There's none. So when somebody tells you that I believe in the original manuscripts, they're lying. There are none. Anybody know where he's at? Then somebody will tell well, well, well I'm, I'm talking about the, uh, the original languages. Fine. You don't believe God, can, you believe God could preserve them? Well, yeah. Okay. Do you believe God could preserve English? Well, no. Why not? He said he would. Watch this. If anybody in the United States listening to this message can preach me or any congregation an entire message using Hebrew and Greek, no English, please do it. There's nobody in the world. There's nobody in the world right now that can preach an entire message using exclusively Hebrew or Greek language. And if they could, do you know how many people in the world could hear them? Understand what they said? Nobody. Maybe three. It wouldn't even be that. Let me just tell you another reason for that. Because even right now, there's a brand new Bible coming out. It's been under a scholaristic work now for several years. It's ready to come out. And they've decided that the God of the Bible is not even God. This thing is moving and moving and moving and moving. To where pretty soon it will be nothing more than a humanistic cesspool. That already is. So preservation. Look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 18. Matthew chapter 5 verse 18. Write these down. Now I'm going to give you a truth out of the Bible. How many knows the Bible says that God preserves his saints forever? It does. It says it. All right. How many believes that you were given eternal life when God saved you? How many believe that? How many can logically understand that means that God is going to preserve you? All right. You tell me this. If God can't preserve his word, how's he going to preserve you? Okay. Matthew 5, 18. Fairly I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away. Watch this. One jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass in law till all be fulfilled. Look at uh, Matthew 24, 35. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But what? My word shall not pass away. Did, did you get that? Heaven and earth shall pass away. But what's not going to pass away? That's a big statement. Look at uh, Psalms 12, 6 and 7. Psalms 12, 6 and 7. And there's a lot more, but the, we're just for time's sake. 
The word, I want you to get something now. Watch this. The words. Are you listening to me? The words. If you can't see that, I want you to see it. The words of the Lord are what? As silver tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. You'll have to ask God. Well, there's all kinds of people's thoughts about that. You'll have to ask God about that. But what he's telling you is that this is a purified book. Watch this. Thou. Now, this is the biggest thing I'm going to preach to you today. If you just get one thing out of the message, get this. That thing's in my way. Thou. Thou. Everybody got say it together. Thou. Not the scholars. Not the translators. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from generation forever. From this generation forever. Now is God going to tell the truth or not? You would not believe how many churches do not believe in preservation of God's word. They are everywhere. You would not believe how many preachers do not believe in the preservation of God's word. They are everywhere. Watch this. And if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you were to go on a talk show on TV and carry your Bible in there and say, I believe this to be the very word of God. And they say, well, you believe it's got mistakes. You know, I believe it's God's word. You know what the first thing they're going to do with you? All right. How many Bibles is out there? And you're going to say, well, I don't know, but this is God's word right here. No, no. How many Bibles is out there that they claim to be Bibles? And you might say, well, I don't know. There's lots of them. Yeah, there's lots of them. And since you're a Christian and since you read the Bible, you do know that they all don't say the same thing, don't you know? Well, uh, you know, they, they kind of mean, no, they don't say the same thing. They, they change words, leave words out, add words. They do not say the same things. You do know that, don't you? You brought your Bible in. We're not the one started this. You did. Now, if your God can't keep his word straight, how's he God? And I'm just going to tell you something. You need to teach this to your kids. Because if you ever destroy this foundational truth, you're gone. Your hair's been cut off in the power of God. And I'm going to tell you something. You listen to me. You want to know why America is being covered with sewage sludge from hell? It's like a, it's like a sewer bank broke. And the sludge of filth and nastiness and sin is in this country is because we let Satan cut off the lock of preservation and started printing new Bibles. Uncle Bud Robertson was an old holiness preacher. He actually kind of started the Nazarene movement. He kind of came out of the Methodist and back. But here's, I read a book of his one time. Here's what he said. He wrote this back in the 20s. At the time uh, he was here in, uh, preaching in America, there was lots and lots. This is the day when you'd see 40, 50, 60, 80 people lined up on the riverbanks being baptized. Okay, back in the 20s and the 30s, especially out in the rural areas of the country. This is what he said. I didn't care if they were Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist. We all had the same Bible. Watch this. And we could all come together in town and have a revival meeting because we all used the same Bible. And when that was cut off... And men who believe the Bible and understood this said, I can't, be fel- I can't have fellowship with you if you don't believe the Bible is a preserved word of God. Yeah. 
all of a sudden everybody went their own way and had all this division and now it spread itself into our nation. Right. I, I got to run. Let me give you this one here. The third thing that Delilah cut, Satan will cut off a church or domination is education. That's happened to in America. When America was strong before the, before World War II, your schools were primarily in the churches of America and the churches controlled the educational content in America. We got that lock cut off. They took the kids out away from the parental and the church authority and control, brought it into the secularism. I don't know if I can do this. I'm, I'm not going to take time. I could read it to you, but I think I can convey it just well. Yesterday at Turning Point USA, and some of you young people might want to take an interest in, in getting involved in this. Turning Point USA is a conservative youth organization that is promoting godly biblical principles and conservative constitutional principles in America. And I'm going to tell you something, they're a pretty stout bunch. I mean, they go on college campuses and they'll set up booths and they'll take the cussings, they'll take the spitting. Donald Trump spoke to them yesterday in Florida at their annual convention. Thousands of young people there. I watched some of the outside stuff. They were sodomites and queers and trans garbage stuff out there spitting on them. I mean, just, I mean, cussing them. And they stand right there, and I'll tell you what, them guys, them, them people are strong. Donald Trump said this to that group of young people. It will be your calling in this generation to liberate the American young people from this godless education system we call public schools. Donald Trump said that yesterday. And if I'm basically told him that if I'm elected president, we're going to do our best to dismantle this godless education system and liberate the American children from having a bunch. He said, get this. Donald Trump said this. Check me out. He said, it's all right with that bunch, that wicked bunch to let a drag queen read your second grader, but he can't have the Bible read to him. Donald Trump said that. You can talk about him all you want to. You can say, well, he's no whoremonger. Oh, where are you at? Where's the rest of the politicians at? Who else will say that you can read drag queen stories to our children, but you can't read the Bible? Don't talk to me about how bad Donald Trump is. Amen. And I'll tell you something. I like that old black preacher out there in South Carolina this week. I can't never think of his name. But I'll tell you, that guy ain't got a bone of, I don't believe he's got, he must weigh 350 pounds, but ain't a a pound on him that's scared of nobody. He spoke to the same group and he told them, he said, let me tell you what's wrong with this country. It's not Washington, D.C. so much as it is the preachers of this country who want to have the big crowds and the big offerings and they'll cuss us guys who say, and say, oh, you're getting political. He said, when a preacher tells me that you shouldn't get political, that preacher's a coward. He's hiding behind the doors of that church. He doesn't want to be ostracized by anybody. He don't want to bear the reproach of nobody. He said, if you're not going to get in politics, get out of your church. Woo! He said, America at one time had preachers who knew that politics, the pulpit must determine the politics of a nation. And then old Ron DeSantis. Boy, I tell you, you talk about a bulldog. You know what he told him yesterday? He told that same bunch. I mean, tell you what, when you can get Donald Trump and Lieutenant Governor of South Carolina and, and DeSantis at a meeting, you must have something going on. This young people. 
And old Ron DeSantis got up there and he said, let me tell you. And boy, if you watch him and follow him, constantly he's, I mean, they, they hate his guts. I mean, Washington hates his guts. And they attack him all the time. He told them this. He told the young people, said, you better get your armor of God on. He said, how do you think I take these attacks every day, every day against my wife, against me, against everything I ever say, twist everything. I, how do you think I do it? He said, I get up and I put on the shield of faith and the armor of God and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. You want to know how you're going to make a difference in this country? Get on the armor of God. Get out of your foxhole and get to work. Yeah. Woo! Amen. And I want you young people to do that. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know where God's going to have you in the army, but I want you to get at it. Amen. I'm exhorting you today. Get involved in this thing. Amen. Get involved in this thing. Decide how you can help. Decide how you can advance the cause of Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, And from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. You didn't know what a drag queen was. You knew the Holy Scriptures. You didn't know what a transgender was. You knew the Holy Scriptures. From a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And these kids aren't even being told how to go to heaven, much less anything else. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Deuteronomy 17, 19, the king of the country was to write out his own copy of the law. Isaiah 34, 6, the Bible says, search them out and find the mates of each verse. Jesus said in John 5, 39, search the scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, it said the fathers are to train and teach their children as they walk, as they lie down in every, every aspect of life. Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, therefore, brethren. We have a generation of people who've been to church but don't know the word of God. Cannot be an educated person, not know the Bible. You're dumb as a box of rocks. I don't care how many letters you got behind your name. You don't know this Bible, you're not educated. They took education away from the parents and the church, the control and influence of it, and you look what we've got now. My wife texted me this morning an article about what's going on in the schools. Now you listen to me. This bunch from hell ain't playing games with your kids. They mean to take them down. Teacher claims entire classroom of second graders switched the pronouns. In a video posted on Twitter by Libs of TikTok, a woman claiming to be a teacher said her entire class of second graders switched pronouns. Watch this. Now listen to me. After one student in the class came forward. Listen to how this teacher's talking. Quote, one of my students felt safe enough to share his pronouns with me, the teacher said. And when he did so, once the class knew, they all switched pronouns. One child in the class said, I don't no longer be called him, I'm a her. Or I want to be called they. And she, in pity for him, and well, she liked it. She talked the whole class into changing the pronoun that they addressed. And now they're all deciding that they're going to be shims, hymns, and idiots. <laughs> then she revealed their second graders. I'm torn between being really, really happy to be in a safe space 
and just absolutely furious that an entire group of second graders has to keep this secret from people that are not safe. Parents. Referring to the students' parents. Why are kids feeling unsafe, she continued. And furthermore, why does everybody talk about how are the kids going to understand? The kids understand. It's easy for them. It's the adults who have all the blankety-blank issues and hang-ups. The kids are fine. You see what she's doing? She's separating those kids from their mom and dads. Some users weren't convinced the children's alleged pronoun switch was legitimate, however. There's some of the language here I can't read. As one of the parents said, kids don't think about that stuff at that age. They're doing what they're told to do. They're saying what they're told to say. And in an entire class changing pronouns, my daughter was a cat for over a year. The video came amid a push in schools throughout the country to hide students' pronoun gender sexuality changes from parents, either personally or in the classroom or through plans enacted by school districts. A teacher in Round Rock Independent School District in Texas told the Daily Caller that she was not supposed to inform parents if a student revealed in her classroom uh, that they identify as non-binary or transgender. Quote, this teacher says, the first time I was asked by a student to refer to themselves by a different gender pronoun, a different name and different pronouns, I went to my principal, listen to me, and the counselor for help. I never received an email like that in my life, she said. I asked if they could contact the parents first to make sure that the parents were aware of what was going on because I would want to know as a parent. They told me no, that the child could get beat up and maybe not be accepted any longer by their family. The teacher continued, I was to accept and comply. I cried in my classroom. I cried all the way home. That was two years ago. Two years ago. They told me no. Last August, Loudoun County School Board in Virginia approved a policy that requires teachers, faculty, and, edu- and student staff to refer to students by their preferred names and pronouns according to the news. The new policy also requires that all school mental health professionals undergo, quote, training on topics relating to the LGBTQ whatever students including procedures for preventing and responding to bullying, harassment, and discrimination based on their gender identity. In other words, nobody in this whole complex building better say anything negative to that person or we're coming after you. Now listen to me. You want to know why the churches in America don't have any power? They've had education shorn off of their families and their church. The fourth thing is meditation. And by, I mean that in a church. When a church goes to feeding you denominational outlines sermons that are already cookie cut, yep. and it's not a result of personal Bible study and preaching the word, but they're preaching you the denominational or the church line. Let me just say something to all the preachers in here. Do not be afraid to address passages of Scripture that you do not understand yet. Don't jump Scriptures that maybe don't fit the doctrinal position that you have. They're in the Bible. Try to rightly divide it. If you don't know, say to the congregation, I haven't got this figured out yet, but I'm working on it. Pray for me that I'll understand this. But what's happened in our churches is we've got these, instead of the the pastors and the people meditating in the Word of God and rightly in the Word of God, they're... 
Let me tell you when this happened. You may not like this. I don't care. I wouldn't give you a flip red nickel for a Sunday school quarterly and printouts in all these churches. They're worthless. They're worthless. In fact, I should be honest with you, they're worse than worthless. They're dangerous. Because they'll always follow that denominational line and they'll never address anything that's important. You know I'm telling you the truth. And they've ceased the Bible being the basis. They say, this is what we believe. I don't care what your grandma or grandpa believe. It ain't biblical, it ain't right. I don't care what, if, if I preach something wrong, you don't follow it just because Reggie got up and preached it. That's some of your problems. Then watch this number five. We've had meditation cut off. We're, we're, we're man-centered theology now instead of God-centered. The fifth thing that's been locked that's been cut off is illumination. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Illumination is when the Holy Spirit of God, you're reading and meditating the word of God, and illumination shows you wondrous, be, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Illumination is so critical. But let me tell you what these denominations don't want and what Satan doesn't want. Satan wants you to think and these denominations want you to think that you can't understand it and you need them. It's nothing but old time Nicolaitan doctrine where the the Nico conquers the laity. The conquerors over the laity. They tell you what to believe, how to believe it, and you don't even dare to think differently. You don't dare to read the Bible for yourself. You don't dare to think that God could show you the truth. <clears throat> illumination is opposite of higher criticism. Higher criticism, these guys all the time, instead of getting illumination for God, they're going to tell God how, what, what mistakes he's got in the Bible. Yep. They put their mind over the Bible instead of the Bible over their mind. And that's a death knell. And number six is application. Here's where we're at. I want you to listen to me. We'll set an amen, amen, inspiration. We'll set an amen, amen, preservation. We'll set an amen, amen, education. We'll set an amen, yeah, we ought to read the Bible and, and, you know, ask God to give us light and understanding as we read. We'll say, yes, sir, Lord, I want illumination of the Holy Spirit while I'm reading the Bible and studying. But application. James one twenty two. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. Do you know why you think the preacher preaches on your sin all the time? Because the Holy Spirit's just taking anything that would come close to that and he does that. I preach on 50 different things and you don't even notice it. But all of a sudden, anything that might allude to what's going on in your life, it's like, he just preaches on me all the time. That's because you've got a problem. You're resisting and rebelling against what the Holy Spirit's trying to lead you to do. And I just happen to be the point man. It's just the truth. Some of you think I preach on modesty every Sunday. I think I will. I want to ask, is there anybody in this church house would stand up right now and say the Bible does not teach modesty? Stand up. Anybody in here believe the Bible teaches that men ought to dress like men and women ought to dress like women? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You just mark this in your day book, and if you don't like this, I'd, I'd go church hunting. 
If I was you. God will help me. I'm going to preach to my last breath that men ought to dress like men, look like men, act like men, and women ought to look like women and act like women, and that, and that they ought to, and both ought to dress modestly. That means no tight bunch of junk on you that shows your privates or the nakedness of your body. I'm talking about these spandex little black pantyhose some of you wearing around that shows your crotch. That's you, you make me sick. You make me sick. And by the way, you make God sick. What on earth are you talking about to claim the name of Jesus Christ and walk around with a pair of spandex, black, whatever, blue, I don't care what color they are, and they're up in your crotch? It's just the truth. It's an abomination. Your shorts. Amen. I know how to shut you amen and down. Just the honest truth. Be you here, doers of the word, and not hearers only. And you think, well, I'm getting by, I'm getting by, I'm getting by. That's what Samson thought too. The third, three, watch this, three strikes and you're out. Tim Nath woman, the harlot at Gaza, and Delilah got him. Oh, you're in the first, you're in the first strike. I got, I'm getting by. You're at the second strike. I'm getting by. I'm 68. And I have... Brother Breedlove, the seeds I planted years ago, they're coming up pretty heavy and I don't like crop. You reap what you sow. And in reaping, you don't reap the day you plant. You reap later. And you reap more than you sow and later than you sow. But watch this. You reap exactly what you sow. And I'm telling you, I don't say this mean, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I think God in heaven is tired of this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I believe the Bible. I believe inspiration. I believe preservation. Blah, 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 blah. But I ain't going to do what I don't want to do, the Bible says. Application. Do you know what will kill? Do you know what will kill a family faith? Fascinating thing is all the rest of it without application. That's what will kill it. And I love you. I, I don't want you to think I'm up here being mean to you. I'm not. I, I could touch. I could talk about anything. I could talk about all kinds of stuff. Burying and rearing children, raising your children, your finances, and all kinds. Of, I could. I had a man one time, boy, I hadn't been preaching very long, and, and he had me come down, I forget what it was, look at some cattle or something. And I respected this man, highly respected. He was smart, good farmer, probably one of the best farmers I ever knew in my life. Danny, if I told you who it was, you'd know in a second. Didn't live far from you. And I respected this man. We was driving the truck. I'll never forget this. I, I was a young preacher. I'm going to tell you what, and I'm sitting a guy way older than I am, and a guy that I knew had a lot of wisdom and knowledge, blah, blah, blah. And going down that road, he, he says to Oliver Stewart, he says, Bible's irrelevant. It's out of date. He said, the Bible talks about how to take care of slaves and have a slave. He said, the Bible's all out of date. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know how to answer the guy. I mean, I wanted to holler and say, you're crazy in the bed, but he's not out of date. But I didn't. I, I didn't know what to say. But that's what's wrong with us. And by the way, that man went to church every Sunday. To church he goes. 
but there's no application. I don't care what you believe doctrinally. I don't care what you claim about Jesus Christ. You believe the Bible is the word of God, but we don't obey it. And we don't even have a grieving heart when we fail. We don't have a repentant spirit. God, I sinned against you. Lord, help me to give me grace to, to obey your word, to do right. Do we think God's against us? He's not. God's for us. <coughs> Let me finish this. Well, I mean, tell you what, the Holy Ghost got serious here a while ago, didn't he? Anybody, anybody notice the settle down? Proclamation. And here's where the seventh lock got cut. The power of the church is gone. Proclamation is preaching the word of God. Let me tell you the difference between teaching and preaching. Teaching gives information. And you just do with it what you want. Preaching is from a message from God, and it demands a response. And it holds you accountable. A lot of difference between preaching and teaching. And the Bible said, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. And what's what it says? And show my people, not the world, my people, their sins. Amen. That's what your Bible says. Preaching. Isaiah 51, 8, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Psalms 104. It maketh his ministers a flame of fire. You know what, you know what would save America? Not Donald Trump. Not Donald DeSantis. Although I appreciate the stand these men are taking. But we need, we need 10,000 Holy Ghost-filled, Bible-believing preachers that have just preached the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit do with it what He wants to in our land. John the Baptist, the Bible said, was a burning and a shining light and got his head cut off for what he preached. Paul said, preach the Word. Preach the whole counsel of God. Jeremiah said, I was going to sit down. I wasn't going to preach anymore, but he said his word was like fire. And he said, I couldn't stay. Luke 16 says, they went forth and preached everywhere. 21 times in the book of Acts, it says they preached. Jesus in the Gospels preached. 1 Peter 1.12, the Bible said they preached, watch this, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. We ought to study the word, preach the word, proclaim the word. And it's through the foolishness of preaching, the Bible said that men are saved. Listen to what Paul said. God sent me not to baptize, but to preach. Any church that gets away from preaching. If I see you out in the street there, see, see you this week or something, I might share the word with you. But that pulpit, I'm not sharing the word with you. I'm preaching. Preaching is ordained of God. Amen. And I want to tell you something. I'm thankful for the preachers we've got in this church. Uh, brother, are you preaching Wednesday night? Yes, now, these men, we're praying. I want you to pray. We're, we're, they're, they're heading out to Dakotas, right? Dakotas. We had an inquiry from South Dakota about setting the tent up there. They're going to go up there. They're going to go up there and check it out, try to get going. This church needs to send out preachers. You want to make your life count? Preach the word of God. Proclaim the word of God. Lift up thy voice. Love people. You're not trying to beat people over the head, but proclaim the truth of the word of God. This is what only thing I know to save America. Amen. The only thing I know. But prepare to be hated by people you love dearly. Prepare to be misunderstood. Prepare to have everything you said twisted. Prepare to have three, four, seven left out. But it's okay. But preaching, we've gotten away... We got, we got these, all American pulpits are full of is this feel goody. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what, anybody, what's that guy in Carolina, that black guy? That, that, yeah, I believe that's right. You know what he said? 
you know what? He got up the other day and said, watch this. He said, I am sick of you mega church preachers preaching your little bitty sermonettes and having three hours of ringing music. And he said, you don't take a stand for anything because you don't want anybody not to like you. And he said this, we've got to get back to preaching the word of God. Not preaching my pet themes, not preaching my denominational or doctrinal viewpoints about everything, but preaching the word of God. That's what a save America. You want to know why we're in the shape we're in? Because we got a haircut from hell in our churches and our denominations. How many knows Vadi Bachman? Anybody know Vadi Bachman? As far as I know, he's in Africa right now. Vadi Bachman ran for president of the largest denomination in America the other day, and they, they defeated him. You know why they defeated him? Because they knew he'd try to return him to the Word of God. Let me give you the history of movements. It starts with just a few people. Go back to preaching the word. God blesses it. They win souls. God strengthens them, gives them power. And then all of a sudden they got this power and they get like Samson. Next thing you know, they're laying their head in the lap of the world. They want all the fleshly benefits of the world. Next thing you know, there's a scissors cutting off. Here it comes. Next thing you know, that church has got no power. So now we're going to have, I, I, I'm going to say this publicly. I love everybody. I'm, I'm a companion of all them that fear the Lord. Amen. And when people being saved, ain't nobody gladder me about it. But I'm going to tell you something I can't understand. I can't understand shutting the lights off in a church. Making it dark, painting the walls black. Looking like a rock and roll concert up here on stage. Stage light on the preacher, and he's walking around, you know, like he's doing some cool hand, cool hand Luke. I don't get it. God is light, and it's even no darkness at all. Why on earth would you want to turn that up? We was having a film up here this morning. I could understand shutting the lights off so you could see the film. But I don't understand shutting the lights off for church service. And I'm going to tell you guys, I'm looking right in the camera. I think it's wrong. I think you ought to repent of it. I think you ought to think about what you're doing. Amen. I'm honest with you. I don't know everything. Getting dumber as I get older. Let's go home. 1208. Hot. Appreciate you listening. Love you.